the Let's Go Racing Family Podcast, sharing our love through NASCAR, running, and just racing through life. Hosted by Sebastian, Giovanni, Karen, Tony, and me, Johan. Each week, we'll talk about our view of the world through the lens of racing. Welcome back to the Let's Go Racing Family Podcast. This week, we're going to be explaining why we had a bit of a hiatus in a bit. We're going to be talking about the three races in the contender round of the playoffs. We're going to be making our race picks for the upcoming Texas race. Having a Six Degrees of NASCAR episode or segment finally. As well as having, in honor of Hispanic Heritage Month, an interview. We've got a jam-packed episode. So we got Indeed a lot to do. cover. Uh, but first, let's, you know, as as Giovanni mentioned, uh, you know what? Life happens. And we actually had very unconventional last few weeks for us because typically over the course of a NASCAR season, our Sundays and, and sometimes Saturday nights are usually revolving around NASCAR in terms of watching the races uh, a lot of times at home. But when occasion arises, when we can go to the racetrack, that that's kind of the centerpiece of our weekend. But life happens. Uh, you know, there were some 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 great moments. There were some sad moments. And then there's just some hectic moments. Uh, in terms of the sad moments, unfortunately, uh, my grandmother passed away. Uh, it was obviously unexpected and sad uh, for, for me personally and for my family. I'm grateful, though, that I was able to fly up uh, to my home area where I'm from, where my grandmother was with other family, and I uh, was able to go up to the Philadelphia area and uh, spend some time with her before she passed. And I will forever be grateful for my own family that allowed me to go in and see her as we talked about. And we all know we're living in a COVID time. It's harder to go into hospitals. Uh, you're limited to cer certain visitors and all of that. And my family was gracious enough to allow me to spend two full days with her uh, during visiting hours um, before she passed. And I actually left with the hope uh, that maybe she could recover. Um, but unfortunately, she wasn't able to do that. And But I will, again, be forever grateful for the time I was able to spend with her, say goodbye, uh, and um, and also connect with some of my other family that I hadn't seen in in, in years. Um, and so that that was also a great thing. I uh, got to see several of my aunts and, and uncles and, and just, just catch up on life. And, and spend time with your cousins. And spend time with my cousins that I hadn't done in, in years. Uh, so uh, it was, it was, you know, bittersweet, obviously. Uh, we actually had a, a family trip planned. It's still planned. It's still going to happen when we're going to go up, uh, go to the Philadelphia area for the Christmas time. And I was hoping actually for my kids to see my grandmother again. You hadn't seen her in a couple of years uh, since the last time we went up to Philly. Um, and so anyway, um, it, you know, not to be such a downer, but it is, it's a reality of life. And uh, I'm thankful for you guys uh, allowing me to go up there. I missed you guys immensely, um, but also was reinvigorated by hearing how proud our family is. My family is of us and not just in what we're doing with the podcast because they do listen and they, they're they so excited with the things that we've been able to do with NASCAR and some of the other interviews and things like that, but just proud of of us as a family. Uh, and, and, and I just was really grateful for that time. 
So bittersweet. Um, but that happened actually the weekend of uh, the Las Vegas Motor Speedway race, which was the 26th. So normally we watch the race together. I was trying to watch parts of the race and and was able to watch some of it. And then as I was traveling, another family's me- family member's house, uh, by the time I got there, flipped on the TV, Denny Hamlin was in victory lane. So um, and that was an interesting race, though, because it was a Sunday night yeah, race. It was so a Sunday night race. Us being the four of us being home alone without Tony, we kind of just sat in bed close to bedtime and finished watching the race. So it was a it was a different race. Yeah, it was a different race for our family. Um, you know, so, you know, we had that. So that's obviously that was kind of a low, a little bittersweet, but definitely a low moment uh, for us. Um, then we also had for the following week, we actually had a previously scheduled end of year family vacation. And you may say end of year. Well, just for the company that I work for, our end of fiscal year is the end of September. And there was a lot of work, a lot of effort in, in what I do personally, uh, towards that. And I was just ready for a nice break. Uh, and so we had a lot of things that kind of came uh, that that came to um, at that last week of the year. And so, again, I was just so excited to to be able to have the opportunity to go on a vacation. And we actually went on a cruise. And what was, you know, even though we were going on a cruise, we were hoping we'd be able to catch the race on the cruise because uh, you can watch sports, uh, was able to watch the football game, which was nice, uh, and then wanted to watch the race. But unfortunately, when you're sailing in in international waters, you don't always get all the sports you want. And so we weren't able to watch the race and of all the races to miss, that was not the one. Why? Because it was Talladega. Like, we love Talladega. Those races are always intense and, like, filled with just incredible stuff. And you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. They're like, unpredictable. They're predictable. Exactly. Not to mention, the winner of the race, even though it was by rain, ended up being our boy, Bubba, Bubba Wallace, Wallace, who we were all really proud for. Yeah, um, it was good. And then uh, I I was very happy that Bubba won. But um, a note on the race was it was a good race. But um, I felt like it could have been even better if there would have been a stage three. But I'm happy for Bubba. And it was a pretty good race, but it could have been better if there was stage three. Yeah, I mean, it was a historic moment in the sport. And it will forever be, uh, hopefully, a moment that it catapults the sport to new heights. Uh, and and I and and the reason I say that is it is it, it's only the second time that an African American driver has won in the sport, and the last time, do you guys remember who it was? Think back to when we were in the thirty-four. The, it was Wendell yes, Scott. Wendell Scott. Scott. 1964 was the last time a black driver won at NASCAR. And what I found was interesting, too. He's also a principal owner, and he is the last principal owner until Michael Jordan being a principal owner. Because, yes, Brad Doherty is an owner in NASCAR, but principal owner, like the guy signing the check, that's Michael Jordan. And he was he's the first since Wendell Scott. And so Michael Jordan is the is an owner of a winning team at the highest level of, of cup series racing. So, and something funny about 64 and 21, I'm um, bringing up the Olympics because last time Tokyo had the Olympics was 64. And then this year they had 21 and then Wendell Scott won in 64 and bubble won in 2021. So what can, 
what uh, coincidence of those years. Boy, wow, that's an interesting fact. Johan blew my mind. Johan, I was like, where was he? Where's he going with the yeah. Olympics in '64 and '21? That I mean, you are just, just a walking Google again. He's nine years old. I don't understand how you like pull this all together. That was amazing, actually. That's pretty good. Johan, Google. Quick question. Johan, how do you solve the conflict between Chase Elliott and Kevin Harvick? Hold on, hold on. Uh, Don't wait, jump the wait, gun. Wait, wait, wait. We're still not we're, there we're yet. Still, so we're, we're still, we're going to get there. there. We're going to get there. But that's so, a great question. We're still on Talladega. So I want to say that um, I accidentally found out that Bubba had won because I checked my email. Like I stayed off of social media because obviously I follow mm-hmm. NASCAR on social media. So when we got off the cruise, I made sure to stay off social media. But I checked my mail. And like, I never get email from NASCAR.com telling me to buy merchandise, but they were like, buy Bubba merchandise. I was like, oh no. <laughs> you found I'm out. like, I found out who it was. So after we saw the recap of the race and everything, I thought, you know what? I'm like, I really wish that Bubba would have won under, not under rain, right? Because I, I, I was so excited when I found out that he won. I wanted to see, I was so excited to see how he got up there and won. But then I started thinking, I'm like, I watched, as I watched the recap, um, like, um, lap after lap, he was in like 17th and 18th place pretty much the whole time. And then he worked his way up to the front at the right moment. So yeah, most of the time I'm one who will say, ah, a race win is not really a win in my book, but I have to say, I will give it to Bubba this time because he drove from that middle of the pack all the way to the front. So happens he was at the front when the rain came out and they called the race. So, yeah, uh, to me, he he did he did race to win that. um, Yeah, he did drive to win that race. And the MVM, the most valuable um, move was when Bubba put that block on Joey and Brad when Brad was coming and then Bubba went up and blocked him. And that, uh, that was the move of the day. It was a very big and bold move like. Something that would take a lot of guts to do. And Bubba did it and it worked and he ended up getting a win because of it. Think of the historic significance of a driver trying to block Brad Keselowski in Talladega. The last time somebody did that, his car ended up into the fence, which was cousin Carl. Cousin Carl. So, (laughs) yes, the fact that Bubba Wallace was like, I'm going to get this win. And he didn't care that it was Brad. And again, I'm not saying Brad Kozlowski's dirty driver. We joke about the cousin Carl wreck. But at the end of the day, took a lot of guts to drive up in what mom described as the money round. When the money was on the line, because they knew they were talking about it. The rain's coming and everybody knows you want to be up front and you want to be leading that, that race if just in case the rain doesn't stop. And so when the money was on the line, he drove his way to the front, got in front, blocked Kozlowski to stay up in front, and ended up pulling in that historic win at Talladega. Uh, You know, just think of the significance of what the sport has gone through over the past year. Remember the whole thing where Bubba Wallace was in the news? And and not not for anything he did, but for the wrong reasons. Because of the noose that was was found or 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 thought to have been found in his um, garage, in his garage, and that rallied the sport around Bubba Wallace, and and then for him to come back a year later and win that race in That's the playoff huge. round, that is huge, and it's so significant. And I hope here's the thing about Bubba Wallace doing well, and and 
And, uh, you know, what we're going to talk a little bit more about this in our interview later, how important representation is in these major sports. You want to see someone like you competing and doing well. It makes it more interesting. It makes it feel like I can There's a do connection. That. There's a connection. Exactly. Makes it personal. It does make it personal for a lot of folks that may not have had a connection to NASCAR because they didn't see anyone like them Absolutely. driving and winning and succeeding. You know, my, my dad always used to say, cause I loved Michael Jordan and he was like Michael Jordan's Michael Jordan when he was a kid was Dr. J Julius Irving. Like who did Michael Jordan look at and be inspired and want to be like, and then that became Michael Jordan. And then Kobe Bryant was to Michael Jordan. And, it, you know, it's like they kind of build, right? Build and then Kobe other. Bryant was to uh, or LeBron James. Was LeBron James looked at Michael and Kobe, right? Mm -hmm. And and so think of the impact, a win like this that Bubba Wallace had. We will see it play out, hopefully, for years in the future. Hopefully there is a kid somewhere that saw that and said, you know what? I never thought I could do that. And now I now can. Now I can. Yep. And that's why it's so important. For us as a family, because we love this sport and we want it to grow and to thrive. And the way things grow and thrive is to just to to find new ways and new places uh, to be relevant. And so I just, again, was so excited. And like Karen, I tried to go on social media blackout when I realized we couldn't watch the race. And so I turned my phone off and all my social media. And when we came back, I had just turned my phone on and I wasn't going to go on any social media until we got home and had a chance to put the race on and watch a recording or something. And it was uh, it was Wednesday morning because that's what we were on. the We were on the cruise from Saturday to Wednesday. So Wednesday morning, I turn on my phone and one of the first text messages I get from a friend. And again, he didn't realize he didn't know. And it, I just think it's funny. He was just it's part so of the story, excited. But he was so excited. He was so excited. And he had texted me two days before. Because again, we had no idea that the race didn't happen on Sunday, right? Because Johan, you were like, wait a second, this didn't happen on Sunday. It happened on Monday. Because of rain, right? Yep. And the first met text message I get, Bubba. And I knew, I knew exactly what that meant. I knew exactly why. And, but I tried not to look, but I'm like, I'm pretty sure I know who won that race. And so we came home, but the boys did not. But you, you guys were still didn't, as right? excited I to come home and almost, watch it, right? Absolutely. Same like me. I was like, I need to see. I almost how got won. the, um, a spoiler because I was walking to the bathroom and I saw you on your phone <laughs> checking something for Bubba. And I looked over and I saw yellow and red. And I was like, hmm, what does that mean? And I saw Toyota and I was like, I didn't see the number or the name of the sponsor. I was like, hmm, yellow, red, and Toyota. So now it all makes sense to you. Now yep. it all came together. <laughs> By the way, um, so we didn't, we weren't able to do race picks for um, Talladega, but something crazy that happened when we watched the recap just for fun. Before the race yeah, ended. Yeah, before the race. I had no idea who won. All right. I was complete blackout. And I realized, I was like, man, we didn't do our race picks. So I asked us, I said, Guys, what are you going to be? Who would have been your race yeah, who pick? Who would have been your race pick? And so Sebastian was the only one that answered. I knew, so I couldn't even just jokingly say anything. I said Daniel name. Suarez. Oh, yes, that's I, right. Personally, I said Joey. I, I was like, hmm, I'll go with Bubba Wallace. And I did not expect him to win. I did not. I swear I did not. And know, I looked at right? him, and I think I looked at you, and, and I'm we were like, like, are you serious? Really? Yeah. Bubba? Hmm. And he's like, yeah. Okay. And then later, after we saw it and we asked, I asked the question, did you know that Bubba Wallace won? And what did you say? 
I didn't. You didn't. I you, didn't know. You actually were going to pick him to win. Yeah. Because I will say this about Bubba. It's, it's not a huge surprise to me that his first win happened at a restrictor plate race mm-hmm. track because he actually tends to do well. Yeah. This isn't this isn't a lucky apologies to the Michael McDowell fans of the world. Michael McDowell won. But because the reality is his win in, in Daytona, although he was up there, we got to give him he was running top four coming out last lap. Yeah. At the end he of the day, he wrecked out of had two, three cars in front of him that wrecked and he. He wrecked the whole field, right? Other than that, I I I don't really remember a lot of Michael McDowell leading races at those restrictor plates, and I've seen Bubba do that. I've seen him do it in Daytona, Uh, even though this is his first win, and obviously in Dega and his first, um, I think top ten. I know I've seen him running up in the top 10 throughout the race. Now, where he finishes, obviously, it's not always the case. So, bottom line is, I'm not hugely surprised that his first win came here. I would love to see him win on a traditional, the the non-super speedway tracks, and, and see what happens. Think of the significance of a first-year team. Again, Bubba Wallace winning, Michael Jordan as an owner winning, a first-year team winning in their first season at a restrictor plate race that is going to be boosted next year because who's driving that 45? Kurt Kurt Busch. Kurt Busch. In fact, I saw a social post that Kurt Busch, I think, sent um, uh, uh, Bubba Wallace some steaks or something. Really not fancy, and he tweeted about it and said, I like this teammates thing along those lines. So, Everybody was super excited because uh, it was it was great to see someone like Bubba. And I will say this, and I don't know if you guys all saw this. Your mom saw it because I showed it to her. Did you see Bubba Wallace in the in the victory lane because it was indoors in the press area with his dog Asher? Yes, with his dog. I thought that was adorable. I Thinking heard about, about that. Kenobi, I I would say if that was Kenobi though, he would have been attacking he all the reporters. He would have <laughs> taken the trophy down and broken. He would have been he would have been all excited. <laughs> You know, he wouldn't hurt anybody, but he'd just been all excited. He was going crazy. He he would have ran around the track if he was able to. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So I I thought that was super cute, super cute moment that he actually, I think the story goes, Bubba asked for his dog to be brought to him. So I thought that was super cool. And I I honestly, I thought, you know what? That's something Johan would do, right? I could see Johan saying, I want my dog here with me in victory (laughs) lane. So, uh Anyway, again, I want 101 dogs. You want 101 dogs? So I'm going to bring them all to Victory Lane. Well, you better win a lot because it's not cheap to take care and feed all those 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 dogs. Uh, so anyway, very exciting uh, and and kind of a crazy way to to have experienced that, even though we didn't experience it the way we wanted to. Such a historic win. Um, and then this past Sunday, you know, we had just again life happening, and we've had some major house. Renovation, some intentional, some not so intentional uh, repairs and things that we've had to fix. And so we had some really hard labor <laughs> for several hours uh, on Sunday. And uh, all of you actually um, helped out. So I do appreciate that. Basically, we're laying sod as a as a family. As not, it's, I mean, it seems easy. I think it's one it's of the hardest hard. things yeah. I've ever done. That's a lot of manual labor. It's a lot of manual labor. It, it seems my, easy on the surface, but it is. No, not. it's not. And my body is sore. Yeah. So that was. So we had to. We had to do that because we had. To, it, long story short, we had only really Sunday to do it, 
And so it had to happen. And and we were trying to get it done so we could watch the race. But again, it took us a lot longer. So you guys went in, started watching some of the race. And so I decided I didn't want to miss another race live. I knew we could watch recaps, but I wanted to I wanted to listen or experience it. So we brought out the radio or the no, speaker. He brought out our giant speaker. We have two <laughs> giant, giant speakers that speaker are too. for the backyard for when we do movies and uh, Super and- Bowl. And he brought it out and put it outside in the front yard. So the and entire we were neighborhood. Blasting. No, no joke. <laughs> like the entire neighborhood could have brought their chairs out and uh, listened to the race. So it was on PRN mm-hmm. radio, right? Performance Racing Network. We were listening Which, to it. Which, by the way, I love to hear oh, yeah. the radio broadcasts of NASCAR. It is amazing. Like, I don't even, I didn't even have to watch it. They were just being so descriptive and so emotional about the race that I could visualize it as I was laying down the sod. And that, that is the beauty of listening to NASCAR races on the radio. I, obviously, I love watching them on TV and I do, they do a great job of it, but it is so unique in the way they do it in radio. Essentially, if you think of an oval track, right? They have radio broadcasters stationed around the track in the different turns. And so as the cars and the leaders move throughout the track, the radio broadcast changes. So the guy in turn one describes what's happening. And then when the cars are in turn two, it's a different broadcaster and turn three and then turn four. And then obviously with the Roval this past weekend, they're they're all over. And I just think it's it's just a very cool Unique experience, exactly what you said, Karen. It's like you're you're experiencing all around the track, and uh, it's very descriptive. So if you've never heard a NASCAR race on the radio, you should do it. Uh, it depending on the race, it's either on PRN Performance Racing Network or MRN, MRN. Motor Race Racing Network. Network. I should know that Motor Racing Network. Uh, and you can listen to it online. They have the the ability to just listen to it for free online. Uh, and, um, you know, you can just listen to direct. And I, I just think it's something if you haven't done before, you should definitely do it because it is a it's definitely a, a it's unique, a unique way. experience. And it's actually pretty cool. And the way that they describe they get so excited. That's why, honestly, I didn't care that the neighbors were hearing it. They're probably like, what is that? Like, it's so exciting to hear these guys go through it. And anytime there was there were changes. So with all that said. Let's just talk it. Let's get into Sunday's race. Oh, yeah. Oh, All right. yeah. Just like I foreshadowed Let's talk earlier. about the elephant in the room. <laughs> Mr. Kevin Harvick versus Mr. Chase Elliott. Now, why is this significant? Bristol, baby. What happened in Bristol? So Remind our audience. Basically, Harvick and um, Chase are battling for a win. Harvick runs uh, Elliott up the track and cost him a win. And then Elliott is lap traffic since he went to pit. And causes Harvick a win. Because he blocked him. Yep. And that allowed Kyle Larson to pass Harvick, right? Yep. Yep. He rode his line. And Harvick was not happy. He was an angry, angry man. He was not happy at all. He like, he got out of the car with his helmet on. And then afterwards in his interview, he looked, he looked crazy. He was heated. Did he break his glasses? Yeah, he did. He smashed his glasses Smashed his his glasses. They had the epic discussion dialogue down pit road went into the went into went his into trailer the, went into the the nines hauler yeah and we were remember we were like whoa what's gonna what's go going down, down in there, there? How, how does he go into enemy territory and then afterwards harvick in the news says it was like talking to his nine-year-old kid and then he gets fixated on one thing I find it kind of ironic that he said that comment about chase because this week it felt like 
he was the nine-year-old in this situation. Ooh, Ooh. so explain to our listeners what you mean by that. So during the Charlotte Roval, Kevin Harvick um, and Chase Elliott, they were both trying to get positioned so that way they could get to the next round. And Chase Elliott was in front of Kevin Harvick going into a turn, and Kevin Harvick spun him out. He clipped them and put them in the wall. And um, Chase Elliott got a lot of damage. And like all the drivers were like, oh, oh, oh they got into each other. Listening oh, boy. to the radioactive <laughs> was hilarious to hear the reactions of all the other drivers around. Like, it's crazy. It, it was. And the other thing, too, that, again, is just nutty when you think about it. Chase Elliott was doing really well. Yeah, he won stage one. And he was up there in stage two. Yeah, he like, finished second in stage two. He was he was so he running clearly had really a well. Dominant car. He was doing really well. I mean, guys, he is like the king of of the road courses. So clearly he was a contender to win this race. So yeah, Kevin Harvick was a dirty driver. So yeah, so I guess that was that's my question for this race. What did you guys think about what Kevin Harvick did? It was plain and simply dirty. And I have one word to recap what happened afterwards. It's called karma. <laughs> Later on in the race, Chase Elliott got um, repairs for his damages and he was moving up. And Kevin Harvick is driving towards the front stretch. And I and Chase Elliott is like two cars behind him. Wait, but, but why was that so significant too? So again... This is the last race before the next round of the playoffs. Chase is out. Chase is now out because, because of, of where the he's damage running. and he's laps behind. And who's in? Harvick. 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 Now and because of now because of calculations that Elliott's team had made, they told him over the radio, "If you wreck the four, that locks us in." So Chase Elliott has an opportunity to do some dirty work and lock himself so in his while mission, also get some retaliation. His mission was to drive his way up and catch Kevin Harvick. And then as we listened, Kevin Harvick was on one side of the track and uh, Chase was on the other. So it was kind of like, well, is he going to catch him or not? And the other amazing thing was it was very clear to everyone that was on that track and probably the fans and everybody that was listening to that race. We all knew because they said it on the radio Elliot was going to wreck Harvick, or that's what everyone thought. And so you got to know, Harvick was thinking about that. Yeah, uh, when he looked at his room mirror, he was like, oh, no. He's, he was like breathing heavy. He was like, oh, no, Chase Elliot, I, I, guys, I, I, can't, I can't make it through this turn. And boom. Kevin Harvick messed up his brakes, and he ended up crashing into the wall, destroying his car, taking him out of the race, and ending his playoff chance. Finishing 33rd under the cut line. And Karma kicked him in the rear and ended his playoff days. Oh boy, this was so... like I, you... I, I have to say, that was a thing of beauty. Chase didn't have to do anything except come up behind him and Kevin Harvick look through his rearview mirror and got scared. Like he and looked like at him. Like in the scene of Cars 2, when they out. have those cameras that like blow up the car's engines, Chase Elliott had one, but when it shoots out Karma at Kevin Harvick. He shot Karma. It was it was incredible. I I'm I'm known to have a little bit of beef with Chase Elliott being a Joey Logano fan, but I can say I can put that aside because I was pulling for Elliott there. I wanted him to get in and I wanted him to do something to Harvick to be honest. 
and I just thought that was incredible. That, but that was the best thing. He didn't have to. He, he didn't, didn't do, do anything. anything. No. That was the well, best so thing. He just what drove. Up. Do you remember when we were listening outside? We were listening to it, right? And so we're listening to the radio. I'm not seeing it, obviously. And all of a sudden, we hear, uh-oh, there's hear, a wreck. We hear Chase is coming. Oh, no, no. Chase is, is, is coming is near up, it. is near and Kevin then Harvick. Harvick and then all of a sudden, oh, there's a wreck and turn, whatever. And it's Harvick. Trouble. Kevin Harvick, trouble, is in the wall. And what trouble, did I say? turn one, Kevin oh, Harvick. You said, boy, oh, boy, I Elliot. hope that Elliot had something, to do, had with something that. to do with that. Yes, yes, sir. I was. All, all Elliot did was look at him. Yeah, you know what? It reminds me of my favorite driver of all time. The intimidator. All he needed to do was get behind the car and people got nervous. Scared him up. <laughs> you know, as much as Kevin Harvick likes to, and again, always respect him for getting in the car after Dale passed. And he, you know, in many ways kind of embodied a little bit of that intimidator. He tried to do it. And you could say he did it enough that when he's in the championship round, you know, trying to intimidate other drivers. I remember him talking some smack with Joey Logano the first time Logano was in the playoffs. And, you know, he, he talks strongly and, you know, tries to walk a big game. But at the end of the day, when push came to shove, he drove himself into the wall. Yep. So much so that drivers and other teams who weren't even involved in this we're just the whole race. We're talking, oh boy, it's Harvick and Elliot, Harvick and Elliot. In fact, Joey Logano earlier when Harvick bumped Elliot and wrecked him, Joey said, oh boy, Elliot's going to be real mad. And then, so like basically it's Chase Elliot, knock, knock, Harvick. Who's there? You're about to spin your, you're about to crash into the wall. You're about to crash into the wall. Boom. <laughs> This situation is just so funny and so great that I am literally thinking of so many different memes you could use for this. <laughs> well, I will tell you what we may have. We have what four more weeks of NASCAR playoffs, the next round and the final championship. And even though Kevin Harvick is out of it, he may not be out of influencing who is the champion. So I think that'll be really interesting. If Chase Elliott does that not make the champion. Yeah, I was, remember back in 2015, yes. Matt Kenseth was emptied out in the round of 12, and Joey was dominant that entire season, and then we all know what happened to Martinsville. So we'll see how this plays out. That'll be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. If Chase interesting. Elliott does that not make suck, the championship though. for, I know who to blame. Well, in post well, let's see what happens. In the post-rates interview, um, Kevin Harvick said, Sometimes life teaches you lessons. And I hope he was talking about himself or that he reflects on his own words if they weren't for him. Because, um, like, I would be embarrassed. I would really be embarrassed after doing what, what you know, what he did to, um, to Chase and then to spin yourself out in the wall. I think I would have kept quiet and just gone back into the, um, the holler and changed. And Harvick, if you're listening, I have something to say to you. May I a merry off season. And, and happy, happy Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> I think that's going to be our, our new tagline, maybe for our Christmas card this year. All right. So <laughs> very exciting fireworks at the end of the race. We completely bypassed who actually won. So, Johan, why don't you take us really quickly through the top five finishers from this past weekend's Roval? The top five finishers were for this weekend's race were in fifth, Denny Hamlin, fourth, Kyle Busch, third, Chris Buescher, second, Tyler Reddick, and first Kyle Larson. If I had a nickel for every time Chase Elliott and Kevin Harvick got into some issue this season and Kyle Larson somehow won the race, 
I would have two nickels, which isn't <laughs> a lot, but it's weird that it's happened twice. That is that is kind of weird. This is the first time since 2006 that a driver swept the Charlotte races. Do you remember what driver that was? Casey Kane. The number five, Casey Kane. Casey Kane, exactly. And actually, when he did nine. it, though, he was the number nine because oh, he drove for Evernham Everham Racing. Or no, it was uh, Evernham Racing. Yeah, Evernham Racing. Evernham Racing. But it was the Valvoline Evernham car that almost won the Coca-Cola 600 that year when Scott and Riggs. And the Jack. Yeah, he was leading that race, led the most laps. I think it was that rate. Was that that year? 2006? Yeah. Yeah. And then Casey Kane came back and won that race. And that was the second race of that week. So anyway, it's been a while uh, since it's happened, especially because you have two different types of tracks now uh, at Charlotte. So very significant that Kyle Larson won uh, for the seventh time this year. So he is obviously the favorite uh, going into the next round of the playoffs. All right. That takes us through are eventful past three, three weeks, weeks. Uh, of race uh, experience, lack of experience, and just getting through life and, and, and watching it all play out for us. So, all right, that was a lot. Sebastian, where is NASCAR going next week? Next week, the round of eight begins with the Auto Trader Echo Park 500 at Texas Motor Speedway. So, we this is going to be quite the race, my dudes. We're going to have a, lots of fireworks and gun shows. I think this race boom, might boom, just... Boom. Um, I think this could be the new Martinsville from 2015. Well, we'll see how it all plays off. All right. Just so we can say, the choose order for this week will be Mom First. Sebastian second, then I go third, Gio, and then Johan. Our race pick standings have tightened up, guys. Mom has been leading from pretty much the well, get-go. Except for me. Well, but yeah, well, yeah, you're hey, kind of falling off. I'm the, last. I'm the fantasy league champion. Too. Yeah, that's all right. Well, you still got a chance. You could win some. Uh, Mom is in first place with 35 points, and Giovanni is in fourth place with 32 points, and me and Sebastian are in between, so it is pretty it tight. Is so tight. We're all separated from each other by if one point. If you guys point, get zero points and I get, like, three points, that would be... You're going to have to do that for a few weeks, but these yes, last, you can do it. These last few races and our race picks are probably going to be the most crucial ones. It's the Let's Go Racing Family Picks of the Week. All right. Like Sebastian told us, NASCAR is going to Texas for the round of eight. Karen, who do you have winning this weekend? All right. Mine's going to be pretty easy. You think he's, you're really confident about this driver, and I can't pick my last driver, so I'm going to go with the number 11 of Denny Hamlin as much as it pains me. Ooh, Denny Hamlin. You took my pick because, yes, that's who I was wow. going with. All right, Sebastian, you're next. Who do you have winning this weekend at Texas Motor Speedway? My pick is going to be my guy, Kyle Busch, who will use Dez and Troy to against the competition and win the race. And destroy. My goodness. All right, yes. All right, Kyle Busch. So that leaves me with actually some great options. And I actually think this guy is going to lock himself in to defend his championship in Phoenix this year, I think Chase Elliott is going to win at Texas. Great pick. 
Hope Kevin Harvick doesn't mess with them. Giovanni? I have been given probably the most perfect pick by you guys, and that is Kyle Larson. Now, before you put that down, I was just thinking, I'm going to be bold because if we're going to be racing for the final four spots, these drivers are going to have to race bold, which is why I'm going to pick Joey Logano to win in Texas. Oh, wow. That's a big win, and I'm not surprised that you picked Joey Logano. Johan, bring us home. Who do you have winning at Texas? It's a win-win. You didn't pick him. You didn't pick him. You didn't pick him. You didn't pick him. You almost picked him. I'm going to go with the guy, Kyle Larson. Get me some points. All right, Kyle Larson. Well, Johan, you need some help. And this might be your weekend to pick up some points. The last time I chose Kyle Larson, he got me three points at Nashville. Well, there you go. All right. Those are our race picks for this weekend at Texas Motor So this is a big weekend of racing. And it's also a pretty big weekend in the world of Hollywood. Why is that, Sebastian? What movie has come out or debuted recently? The final film in Daniel Craig's James Bond series, No Time to Die. So I think it's appropriate for you to take this week's Six Degrees of NASCAR. now it's six degrees of nascar where we try to connect someone in pop culture with nascar in less than six degrees of separation the name's bond james bond that's what i'm going to be talking about this week on six degrees of nascar with no time to die coming out and daniel craig hanging up the jacket and the car keys Let's take a look to see how we can connect Daniel Craig to NASCAR. Now, there's multiple ways we can do this. Two easy ways. One, Daniel Craig actually was attending the NASCAR Charlotte Roval race that happened this weekend. In fact, he was the one that waved the green flag. But I want to try something a little harder. Another way you could connect him is through Logan Lucky, which he co-starred in and it featured NASCAR um, at NASCAR drivers. The way I'm going to do it is you guys might be surprised by this. So let's go through a little bit of um, Daniel Craig's history. Daniel Craig had his first James Bond movie with 2006's Casino Royale, one of my all-time favorite movies. And that movie was directed by Martin Campbell, who also directed um, GoldenEye, the first Pierce Brosnan movie, and also The Mask of Zorro, with Antonio Banderas. I have no idea where you're going with this, but keep going. Antonio Banderas is is known for a lot of roles, and I know him best as the voice of Puss in Boots in the Shrek franchise, and he first debuted in one of my all-time favorite animated movies, Shrek 2. And in 2004, for the Coca-Cola 600, Shrek 2 was featured on Tony Stewart's car. So that is how you're going to connect Daniel Craig to NASCAR in less than six degrees of separation. Quite the impressive. Wow, Daniel Craig has a pretty good connection to NASCAR. Three different ways. Three different ways. That was a little bit of a stretch compared to the other two, but still pretty interesting. It worked. So just again, 
it was it's Daniel Craig because of um, Casino Royale and director uh, Martin Campbell. The director. And he directed Masque with Antonio Banderas. And Antonio Banderas is Shrek 2. Wow. That's like four degrees. That's pretty cool, though. Awesome. Well, there you go. And again, like you said, Daniel Craig was at Roval uh, this past weekend in Charlotte Motor Speedway. So very cool to see him, especially because of the movie that debuted last weekend. And we're going to go see it, actually. This weekend, Sebastian, you and I, Saturday night, we're going to be watching that movie. So very exciting uh, and very cool that we can connect them to NASCAR. I want to introduce Marelkis Salazar, who is joining us from NASCAR. She is a marketing communications manager with NASCAR, uh, specifically working in multicultural And we actually got to know Marelkis a little bit over the past couple of months. Uh, As leading up to Hispanic Heritage Month, our family actually participated in a couple of Spanish language uh, interview segments with Orlando affiliates of Telemundo and Estrella TV to talk about our podcast and our family's connection to NASCAR. And it was because of these interviews that Marelkis really was the architect of of setting these up for us uh, that we got to meet her. And of course, we said we needed to interview her on the podcast. So, Marelkis, I want to welcome you to our podcast and thank you for joining us. No, thank you. Um, It was a pleasure working with your amazing family. And I'm glad that uh, you guys thought of me for, for this interview. So thank you so much. As part of our celebration for Hispanic Heritage Month on our podcast, we wanted to highlight NASCAR's connection to the Hispanic community and learn why it's so important for NASCAR to celebrate Hispanic Latinx culture. For us, what brings it all together is family, because NASCAR brings our family together. Speaking of family, my abuelos, they all hail from Puerto Rico, Venezuela, and the Dominican Republic. Miss Marekis, where is your family from, and have you lived in the U.S. your whole life? That is a great question. So I'm actually from Venezuela. I was born in Caracas, and um, I moved to Orlando, Florida, when I was 13. So that was actually 20 years ago. And um, I lived in Orlando for about 11 years. Then I moved to Wichita, Kansas. And then I moved back to to Florida. So that's a little bit of my background. Why do you think it's important to NASCAR that the sport has drivers from different backgrounds? It's super important because um, representation matters. And it's important to have people who look, drivers, who look like our fans. So we are making a lot of changes, working towards having a more diverse sport. Right now, obviously, we have uh, Daniel Suarez from Monterrey, Mexico. He has done a great job um, just helping us get out to, you know, uh, in front of the Hispanic community, not only in the U.S., but also in Latin America. So it's important to have people who who look like our fans, who who sound like our, our fans, who think like our fans and obviously it's important to have drivers who speak Spanish who can do interviews with Telemundo, Univision and and Estrella TV just like you guys did a few uh, months ago. 
That's interesting that you say that, Marilkis, because when I met you, one of the things that I told my husband was like, wow, I want to I want to know how like because I'm a Hispanic female, I want to know how another Hispanic female got into NASCAR, because I think that's so fascinating. I I've always loved sports and I wanted to, um, you know, go into sports uh, broadcast journalism. And in fact, I believe that you started in journalism, uh, which is interesting mm -hmm. to me, because like I said, I once studied journalism. I wanted to be a broadcast journalist for ESPN. But could you tell us um, more about your professional background and how you ended up working in NASCAR? Absolutely. Well, it's kind of interesting because I started out in TV news, Spanish TV news. So I worked with uh, different Univision affiliates um, in Florida and Kansas, and I was a news reporter. I never really did sports. Um, my passion was investigative journalism. I actually won an Emmy. Uh, I was nominated for another one. And to be honest, I never really thought I would be working in sports. Um, but I got to a point in my career where I was looking for a challenge. So one day I got on Google and I said, you know what? Let me, let me just see what's out there. Let me see um, if there are companies hiring, um, you know, people so that they can join their public relations department. Let me just see what's out there. And um, I remember I came across this job, but it took me four months to apply. Four months because I didn't have the courage. Because I thought, you know, I've been working in news for so many years. Um, this is all I know. I'm very passionate about news, especially news in Spanish, because you're covering issues that affect the Hispanic community. Why would I go and do public relations, you know, at a sports league? And I honestly, I, I remember telling myself, I don't know anything about NASCAR. But... Um, I read the job description and it felt like the job was talking to me, which was very interesting. And I think that's, that's very important. So, you know, at the time I, I decided, okay, this is, this is not what I want to do. Um, but four months later, I, I just kept thinking about the job. And um, I, I realized that the job was still posted like four months later. So I said, all right, let me, let me just apply to see what happens. And, um, uh, I heard back from NASCAR two days later, and then I did an interview, I did another interview, and it felt like things were going well. And I said, well, maybe, maybe this is meant to be. Maybe I just need to go with the flow and see what happens. And the thing is that every time I did an interview and I moved to the next round, I, I, I remember just getting excited and thinking, wow. NASCAR really wants to have someone like me working there. Um, they really want to make sure that they have someone who speaks Spanish, um, who can, and who has those contacts with Univision and Telemundo affiliates nationwide, because they're really trying to get their story out there. And they just needed someone to help them do that. And um, honestly, that's how I ended up here. And I've been here for two years. Actually, this week will be my second year with, with NASCAR. So, woohoo, I made it. <laughs> um, and it's been great. Uh, I've been learning a lot. Um, you know, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, I was not very familiar with NASCAR. Uh, but everyone here has been super, uh, super nice and just super helpful. I've been, obviously, 
watching the races and asking a lot of questions, of course, because as a former reporter, that's what I do. I just ask a lot of questions. And um, I'm just very passionate and, and excited about what I do. And I can tell you that the response from uh, Hispanic media members has been fantastic. Most of them have never been to a race, but every time I reach out and I invite them to cover our races or or interview our drivers, they always say, you know what, maybe I don't know much about NASCAR, but sure, why not? Let's go ahead and do the interview or let's go ahead and go out to a race. And I always know. All I have to do is bring them out to the track. And as soon as they're able to experience that, it, it's, well, you know, you know how it is. It, that's how you get them excited. That's the hook. We know we have a great show. We know we have a great sport. And uh, they always end up coming back. And I think that's great because, you know, listening to Karen do the interviews, the last, you know, the last couple of interviews we had done, I loved hearing her tell from her perspective that it is so impactful when you get to go to the track for the first time. It completely changes the experience. And anytime you can get somebody out there to see a race for the first time, it, it just it just changes it for you. And so I love hearing that you experience that on a daily basis in your in your job and, and what you're doing. So I think that's that's really cool and and really exciting. Uh because it just Absolutely. reinforces for us, the message that we tell our friends and our family about this great sport, you just need to come out there one time mm-hmm. and it'll completely change it for you. That's all it takes. Just one time. And and that's it. <laughs> well, um, what is your favorite NASCAR r- race experience you've had with your career so far? Well, definitely my first Daytona 500 was just amazing. But I can tell you that my very first race was our last championship at Homestead. Um, I remember I didn't really know what to expect, but my colleagues kept saying, Mariel Keys, just keep your eyes open because you never know what's going to happen. And um, obviously the Daytona 500, it's, it's, probably my favorite race but um that first experience i had is something that i i think i will never forget what about you let me let me ask you a question uh what what's your favorite race my favorite race i gotta say it's a t- tie between the race i was at the 2016 cook Sierra sugar 400 not um, homestead miami 40 cookies 400 where jimmy johnson won his seventh title and the, or the 2011 aaron's 499 why nice. why why those races <laughs> because gotta Jim, tell us jimmy johnson won those oh uh, yeah that's right he said it he said it <laughs> However, he wasn't alive for the 2011 race. Well, that, yeah, that, yeah, well, actually, the question should have been why? How? How did you see that? He probably well, watched it. I was going to say, well, we know how he watched it. So I think we're going to go with the 2016 Homestead Championship where Jimmy Johnson won his where seventh he was, championship. It was there in person, in the flesh. <laughs> so where do you see NASCAR in the next five years? And how does its diversity play a role? Well, that's a great question. I think uh, if we look at what we have done in the past 18, 18 months or so, 
um, we have really taken a lot of different measures uh, to make sure that our sport is more diverse and welcoming. So uh, in five years, I think we're going to see probably more diverse business owners. Just last year, you know, we got Michael Jordan involved in the involved in the sport, uh, Pitbull. Uh, so we would, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, but I would love to see more um, diverse uh, business owners, more Hispanic drivers, more African American drivers, more women. Um, it takes a lot of work, but I definitely think that we are doing the right thing and we're taking the right steps to to get to that point where it's not just one Hispanic driver at the you know top level or just one African American driver. Um, hopefully in a few years and, and maybe honestly it might take more than five years. Uh, maybe we're talking about I don't know maybe ten years. Um, but I do think that we will get to a point where it's not just one of each. It's going to be definitely a higher number and just a more diverse group of drivers. Do you see more families coming to NASCAR races? And if so, do you think that diversity has a role in that? Oh, absolutely. I think that um, just throughout the history of, of you know NASCAR and our races, um, our families have played a, a huge role, you know, in our in our fan base uh, because this is a sport that's very family oriented. Now, when it comes to Latinos, you know this. Um, if we go out to an event. You're going to invite your prima, your cousin, your aunt, your mom, your, you know. So um, do I think that diverse communities can bring their families and therefore that's going to help change um, the, I guess, the demographic and just the faces and who we see at the races? Oh, absolutely. But but I think that families have played a big role in, in, you know, in NASCAR and it's just going to continue increasing. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited about it. I think, you know, the, the cliche saying of, you know, a rising tide rises all boats. Right. And I think the more you can bring in new audiences, more interest into the sport, the bigger the sport is going to be. And people are going to find that it is it's an awesome sport to watch. It's an awesome sport to share with family and friends. And it's for me, this is this is my opinion on it. And this is why I'm always so fascinated with NASCAR. It's an equalizing sport because at the end of the day, when all the drivers get in the car, they're all equal, especially with this next gen car. If you're a woman, if you're Hispanic, if you're black, if you're white, it doesn't matter when you get in the car. It's your skill behind that wheel that sets you apart. And I think that that is something that is so unique and so cool about our family favorite sport. So, Marelkis, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Marelkis. No, thank you. Thank gracias, you. gracias. And good luck with everything. Thank you. Gracias. Thank you. Take care. So as promised, this was a jam-packed episode of our podcast. Uh, we talked through the last three races, our eventful family uh, weeks. Uh, we talked about the upcoming race, and uh, we also had a very interesting six degrees of NASCAR with uh, Daniel Craig. And again, want to thank Marelkis for joining us from NASCAR 
Communications, uh, who is able to talk to us about the importance of Hispanic heritage and, and also talked about some of how she works and how we got connected to her through our experiences with NASCAR and the Hispanic Heritage Month. And so this is actually the last uh, episode for this year of Hispanic Heritage Month because it runs from September 15th to October 15th. So this is our our, uh, our, our finishing episode for that. And uh, we'll be back again uh, for our next episode to talk about the playoffs. So again, thank you for joining us this week. And with that, Giovanni, why don't you take us out? That's going to wrap up this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening on in. Consider subscribing, following our socials, and downloading our podcast episodes. Let's Go Racing Family, out. <laughs>